Hey, this is John Jantz. I'm the founder of Duct Tape Marketing. Also wrote a book called Duct Tape Marketing, and you are listening to The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is John Jantz. He's the founder and president of Duct Tape Marketing. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Timmy. Glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. I want to give our listeners some quick rapid fire context on who you are. So as rapid fire as you can, as like bullet point as you can, what is your business? Who does it serve? Sure. Uh, how do you get customers? And what's been your growth? All right. So I started my own marketing consulting firm 35 years ago, at some point decided to focus on small business owners. Uh, we install the duct tape marketing system uh, with those business owners. We attract most of our clients today because we've put content out there in buckets for many, many years, books, podcasts, things of that nature. People find that content to find some value in it, and then they find us. Tell me something about marketing that most small business owners struggle to understand. Uh, it begins with strategy before tactics, uh, that if you don't know who you're targeting, you don't know the problem you solve for them, then most of the tactics that you do are going to be wasted. Um, and so when you are working with customers to talk about what their strategy should be, typically, how, like what, how do those conversations uh, begin? Like what, what what is what is the most commonly identified like uh, strategic solutions that you're coming up with? Well, so they they actually begin with us understanding the problems. I mean, the the problems of not having strategy. Nobody wakes up and says, "I'm going to go buy some strategy today." The problems that show up by not having strategy is that they can't charge enough or what they think they should be able to charge. Their competitors are showing up in in the online space in ways that they want to show up, and uh, so it's those kinds of things that we help them understand that these are actually problems that lead to a lack of strategy. Then we can start connecting our solutions uh, to that. I, I, I'll tell you with the answers in the really short. You know, if you want to tell me what strategy is, <laughs> the really short answer is 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 usually found uh, with your customers. Your customers know what you do better than anyone else, um, and quite often business owners can't articulate what they do uh, because they just believe that uh, that that's what everybody does. And what's a, like a misconception aside from just like tactics ahead of strategy, what's a misconception that a lot of small business owners have about um, marketing strategies? That, that anybody who seems to need what they uh, sell is an ideal customer. Uh, we spend a terrific amount of time uh, trying to help people narrow their focus on who they're serving because that's actually the fastest way to grow. And so that's really interesting to me because I've also struggled with figuring out um, who is my ICP. And I don't know, is this common? Because I've basically gone, I have two ICPs. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really common, partly because, uh, you know, so I sell marketing, right? It's marketing services. So anybody hears the word marketing, and they think, oh, I'm going to call John. Um, and, and so what happens with that is that I'm getting lots of inbound requests. And I'm thinking, ah, they said they'd pay me. I've never done that before what they want or never worked with that industry. But how hard could it be? So so that's what's the, the challenge is that as entrepreneurs, our minds are set on how do I get more business? How do I get more business? What I'm asking them to do is actually start saying no and start turning some types of business away. And, and frankly, nobody wants to hear that, especially when they're feeling like they're really scrambling to, to, you know, to make ends meet. Yes. I'm in a similar boat, yeah. by the way. <laughs> so like um, when, when I, as I've been trying to do my ICP work, um, 
what I've figured out is, and so what's funny is I said, like, I have two ICPs, but like, logically, that's, that's a fallacy. You can't have two totally different types of customers that are both your ideal, ideal to me speaks of like, what's the, the absolute best case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for- you know, they're, they're, I agree with you on one hand, but there certainly are some industries or some business models where they do, you know, a real estate agent, for example, has to get buyers and sellers. Um, You know, so, so there are industries where you have completely different market segments for logical reasons, but, but for the most part, your business, yeah, focusing in on a very narrow market. Now that doesn't mean though, that after you get some traction in that, you can't expand beyond that, but, but it's hard to get traction if you start off by saying, we serve these 27 different types of profiles. Yeah. Yeah. Where for, for me, uh, thank goodness I'm not at 27, uh, but <laughs> I, that, that number I, is because I've seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what I figured out is, so there are, there are two different customers that I, the dinosaur house serves. Uh, one is, uh, like a industry influencing kind of speaker that would <laughs> go and be traveling and speaking. And it makes total sense for them to have a kid's book related to their content because, they are going to sell that kid's book like crazy whenever they go and speak. Yeah. That's one kind of customer. They're the lower end for us. The higher end is a B2B customer that is using their kid's book as a, as a way of customer acquisition. Hmm. And that type of customer pays us a lot more money uh, to, to make sure that we get it you know, just right. There's a lot of customization in that. They have more money to spend because the value of each customer for them is very high. And it's like, so... I've been struggling with, do I abandon my like TEDx speaker, keynote speaker, customer profile and just go full on like, no, we're doing, we're doing $10,000 deals with B2B uh, business owners that are going to use their kids book for customer acquisition. Yeah. I mean, the short answer without any more background than that is where's the upside opportunity? Because could you look at that speaker profile and think, okay, we've got them you know, we've got them, they came to us for the book, but could we help them brand? Could we help them get uh, another author deal? Could we help them get on more stages? I mean, you think about some of the other things that you could do to help them get to where they want to go. Ultimately, that might be a consideration. There's also probably less competition in that space right now, at least. Um, And that would be another consideration where I'm guessing that B2B buyer is a little bit harder not to crack. You can probably have an author discussion and you're talking to the person that's going to write the check where the B2B buyer might be a marketing department or something. So those are some of the things I would consider. It doesn't mean I would say you should go this way or that way, but, but those are the considerations uh, I think long-term that, you know, for making a decision about really going all in on one, on one. Now, I, I also think that because your end product is kind of the same. I think you can, I think you can effectively go after both markets. Mm, Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And that's where I've landed because like sometimes I'll just, instead of, instead of getting a $10,000 customer, I'll just go like, all right, I'm going to try, I'm going to go after getting three, $3,000 customers to pay the bills. Well, and also consider, I know you're not asking me to coach you here, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> also, cons- I am asking you to coach. <laughs> also consider the overlap of those two. Could yeah. a TEDx speaker bring you a sponsor that yeah. they would actually do a book together? I think there's some real power 
in that because it, actually if you taught that TEDx speaker how to actually get a deal with a sponsor that was going to then turn into a book as well you you really That's an interesting approach. No, yeah. That's a very interesting approach. Hmm. That's cool. Um okay, John. Uh, we're we're done here, aren't we? My work is done here. <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> when I started this podcast, I started it because there was no podcast that was asking um, successful business owners what it is that they're really living their life for. Mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting conversation for me. So when you think of the question of what you're living your life for or how you want to be remembered when you die, what yeah. jumps out to you as most important? Well, I think the thing that probably anybody, if they're being honest, will tell you that this is an answer that comes in hindsight. I don't think that that I started my business thinking, here's the impact I want to have on the world. I think it's something that cumulatively I have begun to think about and feel. I mean, I'm, I may be a little older than some of the people you interview. I mean, my legacy is sort of like staring at me or, or at least my opportunity to understand what it is, is maybe closer. And I think we, as you do age, you do start thinking about the impact. You know, with, with, with all of the, the, the family and good parent and good grandparent, you know, aside, which are, you know, which are important elements of, of my legacy. Um, I do feel that through my work uh, and my consistency through the years, I have been able to, I think, improve the lives as well as the businesses of, you know, tens of thousands of small business owners. And I think that uh, I can live with that legacy. Yeah. When did you feel like you hit a tipping point of like, so for me, when I started making kids books, it was very much, I didn't know exactly why I was doing it. I was doing it because I, if you asked me back when I first started, I would have said, well, this is just my favorite sandbox to play in. That's yeah, why I'm doing yeah, this. Yeah. I've since figured out a couple of things. One is I, so I started as a 17 year old older brother to my little brother, Tristan made a kid's book for him. I have never left feeling like the older brother that wants to like make a really cool thing for a younger brother. And that's the ethos of like how I am as a kid's book author still to this day. And then tapping into the reality that through a kid's book, um, parents and their kids get to develop best bud relationships over yeah. something that one of them is passionate about, which yeah. is amazing. So that's where I'm driving, like getting to like, but I had to figure that out through, through years of doing the job what what's been your sort of like how did you figure it out and what did you land on yeah i think that that there i have a similar uh mission if you will that that i i just love owning my own small business i think it's the greatest opportunity ever you know afforded anyone to do and i started working with small business owners and saw a lot of them getting their life sucked out of them <laughs> and 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 so you know, a lot of what drives me, I think, is is trying to help that demographic. At the time, I 30 years ago, there weren't too many people trying to solve problems for small business owners. They were sort of left uh, to the side. So I felt like they were underserved as well. And and it's really, it's why I've stayed there. I mean, there, I've certainly had plenty of opportunities as my books have become more popular and whatnot to, to really kind of go up market, if you will, and work with bigger organizations. Yeah. But I just, I just, there's something equal parts uh, gratifying and terrifying to me about working with somebody who, who is also writing the check to pay you for what it is uh, that, that, that you're doing, what service you're providing. And uh, you know, that uh, that's why I've stayed there. And I, and I think that uh, um, it's it certainly, I think pretty early on, I realized that that's who I wanted to work with. Did you ever spend time in the early days where you felt like your business was sucking the life out of you? I, I, I probably never really felt that it probably was, you know, or it was 
stressful in a ways that, you know, weren't maybe healthy necessarily, but I love what I'm doing. And I'm just, I love the next new thing. And I'm, you know, insatiably curious about learning, um, you know, the new technologies. I mean, I started my business. We didn't use the internet. Okay. Let that sink in for a minute. Like how I, you know, I say that to groups that are under about 40 and they're like, I don't get it. What do you mean? <laughs> how did, yeah. how did you sell something? Um, and, and, but to me, uh, the, the, all of the new technology and platforms and things that have come along have just, uh, have just, I find really exciting. And so, you know, I've, I've never felt like it's sucking the life out of me because I just enjoy it. So, yeah. Um, so I, as a kid's book author, believe that part of leaving a legacy is reaching the hearts of kids. Yeah. Um, what's an idea that you would love to see in a kid's book? Huh. Well, you and I were talking a little bit about this before you started recording. I mean, I mean, I think it always pains me when, when people, you know, you see these videos and comedians talking about marketers and salespeople and how evil they are and how evil, you know, marketing is. And, certainly can be used, I suppose, uh, for, for evil ways. But I also see a lot of organizations that under the heading of marketing are actually serving um, a, a market, are actually creating transformation in people's lives. And, yeah. and that's done by getting their message and their story out in an effective way. And so I, you know, I suppose uh, the, the idea that marketing actually can be a good thing. <laughs> it's yeah. not an evil thing would, would probably be something that for selflessly, you know, I'd like to see more people in the industry um, uh, demonstrating. Yeah. I have one last for fun question for you, John. And that is what is something that you currently suck at that a year uh -huh. from now you want to be great at uh, playing the mandolin. Oh, really? Why is that? <laughs> well, I've played the guitar for all my life. And um, I'm, you know, when I moved to the mountains, uh, I really uh, got a new appreciation for bluegrass music. And I just, uh, I just find the, the mandolin to be a really interesting instrument. And it is, for those who don't know, it's, uh, it's eight strings, it's tuned differently than a guitar. So it's not a matter of just saying, oh, I play the guitar, I can play the mandolin too. So uh, I, you just caught me at a good time. I actually upgraded and bought a brand new mandolin yesterday um but with the intent of getting serious about it where where are you at so far in like like how good are you at the mandolin right now oh i can you know i can play uh coming around the mountain um uh you know that kid song right of the and my grandchild thinks it's amazing one of the things that's pretty easy to transfer from guitar to to um mandolin is is chord structure i mean if you know chords on a guitar that you just have to know the structure on a mandolin which is a little different but so i can hack my way through chords and and whatnot but you know the man what, what i want to do is play some of those old fiddle tunes that you see uh, uh bluegrass folks doing john you strike me as a very much like kind of like living your best life right now kind <laughs> of a person and i'm yeah. curious how you think about how you spend your time I've talked to different people. Like I've talked to people that say like, I never want to devote time to something that I'm not going to be excellent at. Like if it's not either making me money or like bringing joy into my life, I'm not going to devote any time to it. I'm curious how you think about music in that context. If oh. you have anything similar to that philosophy or what your philosophy is. No, I, I in fact, I think the whole side hustle thing is, is sucking the joy out of <laughs> people's hobbies. You know, people are embarrassed to say, Oh, I do wood whittling, you know, or something because it seems really obscure and there's no way you're going to make money. And so you're wasting your time. I think as a society, I think we really, uh, we really kind of screw with people's heads to think that, no, you know, there's something that might actually bring you peace or relaxation or, you know, joy 
and and then you go off to a, to a job that maybe pays the bills <laughs> that uh, that you don't necessarily enjoy, and you need you need that other thing. So I I I think it's fine if you can find something you love that uh, that that you that you make money at. But I think we I think more people need more hobbies that uh, that they're not embarrassed to spend a, an inordinate amount of time doing. So how does that fit into your, so like what you're describing is somebody that has a job that pays the bills, but then they filled their life with things that bring them joy. How does that fit into your life? Cause you have your, your path was building a business. Yeah. So it's, it can be a magical thing when those two things cross paths, but to, to me, there are elements, I think there are elements of any job any position, any company, any, you know, gig that can bring you joy. Um, you may not enjoy the whole, you know, the whole profession or whatever, but there's gotta be elements of it that bring you joy or it really will suck the life out of you. I love writing. I love speaking. Um, I love teaching and, and I could find that in a lot of professions. I just happened to figure out a way to make money doing, <laughs> doing what I, what I loved and, and kept, uh, you know, consistent on that path. But I, I think that, I think it's just key that there's some element of what you do that you enjoy. And, and, but I do also think that there, you know, if your thing is building toy trains, uh, you know, then you should be doing it and not worry about the fact that there's no money in it. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know that I a hundred percent agree with you, but it's I could, probably, I could, emotionally tell, I could driven. tell you, I was going to say, I could tell you were, you were doubting my uh, response there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I've just always been the kind of person that is very driven by the concept of making a lot of money doing the thing that I love to do the most. Like, I'm just so driven by that. So it's yeah. hard for me to get on board with the thought of, cause I've done it. I, I, I've done, I work a job and I spend all my time doing the thing that I love that I'm not working. And every opportunity I get to quit my job to focus on the, doing the thing that I love for money, I have taken that opportunity. Yeah, and I, I don't think we're saying different things necessarily. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, is, you know, the whole thing of, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. I think that kind of leaves people down the wrong path sometimes. I think that in, in a lot of ways, if you just go out and, and what, what I, the advice I give people is go experience stuff, go go do stuff, go try stuff. And, and if the thing that you're in right now, because I mean, a lot of people realize they hate their job and they've got a mortgage and four kids. Um, and so, you know, looking for other opportunities is certainly a, a, a good path for them, but also looking for ways that they could find joy in what they are currently doing, even if it's not the thing I think is also equally important. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also so dependent on what stage of life that you're in. Totally. John, this has been a fun conversation. Where are you most active and where would you want people to connect sure. with you? So probably the easiest place to, to find what I've been working on the last few decades is ducttapemarketing.com. So that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. Uh, I do have a new book coming out in September of 2021, depending upon when you hear this show. And I've got a companion site uh, for that. It's just theultimatemarketingengine.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, it's fun to me. Thanks.